This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The migrants who are released are being given what's called an NTR. That is a notice to report. What that is, is a request to please show up to an immigration office within the next 60 days. It's not an NTA. An NTA is a notice to appear. That gives a specific date that migrants have to show up on at a specific time. I'm told they're doing NTRs right now because they're much quicker to fill out, about 20 minutes. An NTA typically takes a border agent about one hour. And again, right now, agents are telling us the goal of the federal government is to get this cleared out as fast as possible. Yeah, I'm sure it is because of the visuals. NTAs are ignored all the time, so actually there's not that much difference. But the fact that they're now not even demanding that you appear, they're just suggesting you fill out some paperwork is kind of hilarious. I guarantee you what's happening is the Biden administration said, get those people away from that bridge somehow. I don't care how you do it. So uh, AP was reporting yesterday that thousands and thousands of Haitians have been bussed into the country. I saw Maryland. I saw Colorado, various places in Texas. They're just bussing bussing these people to get them out from underneath the bridge. Um, And Fox confirmed that yesterday. But then I was listening to CBS on my drive into work today, and their report was there were 15,000 people under the bridge over the weekend. That number is now down to 4,000, and hundreds of more flights are scheduled for Haiti. 
insinuating that that's where all these people have gone. That oh, is, beautiful. That is absolutely not what has happened. Why is CBS actively covering for the Biden administration? They don't, don't, they don't know. I think the reporting is just so sloppy they don't know. Really? That'd be my wow. guess. I the, wish we the had... The administration told them that, and they just went with the rosiest version of it. We have uh, Secretary Mayorkas whining about how many hours he works every day indignantly in answer to a question. What I wish we had in front of us is the, the clip he uttered the other day. Well, he didn't utter a clip. He spoke words. It was recorded. Now it's a clip. Anyway, uh, he says, do not come. Your, your journey will not end successfully. You need to stay where you are. Do you think these people are stupid? Do you think they lack access to the Internet, social media, etc.? All these people have smartphones. You, you, the sec Mayorka says, don't come. Meanwhile, 506 of their neighbors, friends, and relatives say, hey, we're in Oklahoma City now. It's pretty nice. Yeah, we just snuck across the border. They put us on a bus. Here we are. They gave us a bunch of food. They got this place they're putting us up in. It's not great, but it's okay. And it's mandatory that they provide an education for our kids. Whether we speak the language or have any education or not. And it's mandatory that they take care of us when we go to the hospital. So, yeah, do what you can to get across. Yeah, don't listen to the government. They're lying. It's unbelievable. Here's the craziest thing maybe I've seen during this whole thing. I'm looking up at uh, a picture they've got on ABC News right now. So they've lined up law enforcement vehicles side by side all across the border right there by the bridge. So if you line up a whole bunch of SUVs, like two inches apart, huh? see, they're like about seven feet tall. They're side by side. You can't get in between them. They're lined up all across the board. What would you call that? In effect, it's kind of a... It's kind of a wall of SUVs. It's kind of a wall in effect, really, if you think about it. They built a wall with vehicles. Walls don't work. Build bridges, not walls. Democrats taking charge and stopping the wall from being built. Now you've got police vehicles lined up side by side all across there making a temporary wall because you can't stop people from coming in. That's freaking hilarious. You know, it's interesting, too, that they're they're turning loose family units and women who claim to be pregnant. <clears throat> they're not even checking. Uh, Which, know. you know, is, uh, you know, it's a tough one. Well, you know, earlier in the show, I, I said uh, you should just have him pee on the stick, and uh, I, I translated no, no. it into Spanish. Somebody pointed out that what full, what do you gy- mean full gynecology? Good lord, rubber glove. No, stop it. Um, and somebody pointed out Haitians don't speak Spanish. You idiot! They speak French. So I apologize, and I have uh, I have uh, readied this. S'il vous plaît, urinez sur le béton. Please pee on the stick. So just have the border agents memorize that phrase. We'll figure out who's pregnant and who's not. But isn't it, I get compassion for uh, families with kids and sending them back is tough and all. But from a taxpayer's perspective, on a purely, you know, plus and minus financial costs and benefits to the American people and American society, I'd probably rather have a single guy than a family. Oh, absolutely. The single guy is going to come into the country and, and, you know, find one of those jobs that we've decided we won't do and, uh, and he'll work. Um, and, uh, and unless probably, he's working under the table, he'll pay taxes. And, and as long as he's healthy, he's going to contribute more than he takes, at least for the time being. 
A whole family? No way. Absolutely, society's upside down on a whole family with kids mm-hmm. from the moment they uh, arrive anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Haitians are desperate, and they're in a pretty foul mood, too, about being detained and maybe sent back to Haiti. Clip number 30, please, Michael. Some of the migrants are being deported. On one repatriation flight back to Haiti yesterday, Haitian migrants revolted on the tarmac in Port-au-Prince, throwing shoes at the aircraft and injuring three American ICE agents in the process. There's been two flights that were canceled out of San Antonio because once they boarded the flights, they got violent. This administration put ICE officers at great risk. Dig, if you will, a picture. That's a, a town named after the musician Prince. Um... Oh, Port-au-Prince? Uh, nice. So I, I like the whole sending them back to Haiti thing. She got all these people. The reason they're revolting on the plane is they haven't lived in Haiti for years. They got no home or job or anything there. Now now they're in Haiti, and they didn't like it to start with. They didn't like it when they had a home and a job or at least some connections to the society. They've been gone for years, and now you're going to take them back and drop them there. Hilarious. Right. People have emailed us. Guys, how are these people getting here from Haiti? They've been living in South and Central America for years and years because of the the great earthquake of whenever it was, 2010 or something like that. And so they just saw an economic opportunity to have even better lives in the United States, so they took it because the Biden administration and the campaign put out the word that uh, immigrants come on in. And so they did. It is as simple as that. But back to the incredibly misleading stories. For instance, uh, the one Jack mentioned, trumpeted by CBS News, trying to imply without giving you all the facts that they're actually shipping all these people back when it's a small fraction. This is uh, Florida Congressman Carlos Jimenez and uh, arguing with Secretary of uh, Homeland Security in Mayorkas in clip number 35. Let me ask you, how many people have been returned? How many people are being detained and how many people have been dispersed? I would be pleased to um, provide you with specific data subsequent to this hearing, Congressman. Well, sir, yesterday you were asked exactly the same question and you gave exactly the same answer. You think you'd be a little bit better prepared now that you've been asked that question that now maybe somebody else is going to ask you the same question. You don't have that information? Oh, Congressman, let me share something with you quite clearly. I work 18 hours a day. Okay, so when I returned from yesterday's hearing, I actually focused on mission. We will get that data both to the senator who posed it yesterday and to you, Congressman, today. Yeah. So you don't have any estimation at all at the the numbers that I'm asking for at all. You don't know how many have been returned. You don't know how many have been released into the United States. You don't have any, any estimation at all of what those numbers are. And that's the whole question. So day one, I thought it was a bit of a stunt from the Republican, you know, getting all outraged that he didn't have the numbers. But the next day, the next day when you come back, you got to have that information available. And and acting like it's irrelevant. No, it's the whole question. The whole question is, how is it going? Right. What are you doing with all of those people? And he couldn't, the fact that he couldn't say, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of five to 700 here, and it's more like 5,000 places. He could throw out those estimates easily. Of course he could. Um, we have a clip of Mayorkas from not long ago. This was back in March. All I can do is communicate both to the American public and to the individuals seeking protection. They need to wait. We are not saying don't come. We are saying don't come now because we will be able to deliver um, a safe and orderly process to them uh, as quickly as possible. Okay, so in March, you did the very tepid, 
don't come now, but come in the future, you'll get in. And you're shocked that people are showing up like this and, and expecting to get in? Yeah, and a final note or two on this topic. Uh, the the worthless vice president attempted to weigh in a couple of times in recent days, was was mocked for being just ineffective and and just irrelevant. She's just an irrelevancy. Uh, but what about the president? The president himself, Peter Ducey, asked and asked a pretty good question. Uncovered something surprising in clip number thirty-seven, Michael. Issues at the border have been going on for most of President Biden's term. Six months ago, he sounded like he wanted to see for himself. Are you thinking of going to the border? At some point, I will, yes. He still hasn't been, ever. Has President Biden ever been to the southern border? In his life? Yes. We cannot find any record of him visiting the border as president, vice president, senator, or even as a concerned citizen. Why would that be? I can check and see when the last time or when he may have been. Why doesn't he go down to Del Rio, Texas and see what's going on? Peter, I think the situation at the border is the result of a broken system. <laughs> I, well, you know, my opinion on this is I think that's a bit of a stunt when uh, politicians go down to the border to see what's happening because they can get all that information without going. But the fact that he's never been, all the different legal immigration waves of when this is important and when it's not throughout his entire career. That's really shocking. You have Democratic congressmen and uh, mayors begging the federal government to do something about this and have been for a couple of generations now. He's never been there. That's interesting. Joe and I are having the disagreement on how well you could whip somebody with horse reins. Yeah, and Jack says they're they're the same as a whip. I say that's ridiculous. Um, and we are going to whip each other to uh, to settle the bet. Barbaric! Cooler heads have prevailed. That's a sickening and strange idea. We're the hosts of the show. We can't be whipping each other. So instead, we are going to whip uh, the staff with the uh, various implements. So Joe will whip Michael with a whip, a traditional whip, and I will whip, I guess, Alex with horse reins. Right. He won't. And And we'll see see who fares better. (laughs) Bring it on. Look at your contract. (laughs) Yeah. You have not read the fine print. I'm not getting paid for this. (laughs) Up to and including whippings. It's there in paragraph X. Yeah, it's not even other duties. It actually says, and whippings. (laughs) Right. Where's the lawyer sound effect? I'm going to call my lawyer. I'm going to call my lawyer. Exactly. Ghana. (laughs) Ghana. That's funny. Armstrong and Getty. Brian returned alone to his parents' Florida home on September 1st, 10 days before Gabby was reported missing. Brian's parents say their son left the house on September 14 and reported him missing on the 17th. A neighbor says Brian acted normally during his time at home. Quote, he mowed the lawn. Him and his mother went for a bicycle ride around the block. I mean, everything was just normal life once he came back. It seemed like nothing bothered him. Yeah, so that's my current working theory then is they made a show of, hey, he's here and acting normal. And then he got out of there. Parents claimed he was there. So he had a three, four-day head start to go somewhere. Which yeah, makes and I them... say they, they parked a car for him to, gr- to get, to pick up, and he left his car that the authorities knew there at the Wildlife Preserve. Yep. 
I think that makes the most sense, actually. So I wonder, is, is he in Canada or Mexico or just uh, vanished into the heartland or something? I don't know. Or did he off himself? I don't know. But obviously they're talking to the parents, and I think they'll get it out of them at some point. Although the often himself uh, theory kind of depends on a guy uh, drowning in regret and grief, you know? Uh huh. And if he's uh, acting as normal as possible, mowing the lawn, going for bike rides, waving to the neighbors, hey, folks, how are you? I'm back from my trip. We had a good time. Good to see you again. That doesn't sound like a guy uh, drowning in regret. No. A couple of showbiz notes before we move on to something else. I was just reading a review of uh, the new Kings of Newark, or whatever it's called. The Many Saints of Newark. The Many Saints of Newark. There you go. The Sopranos prequel. The review in the New York Post was, it's a really great two-hour episode of The Sopranos, which is all I want. Mm -hmm. Good enough. So if that's what it is, cool. Saturday Night Live has announced their first four hosts, because Saturday Night Live comes back this weekend. Owen Wilson, Kim Kardashian, Kim Kardashian is a host of Saturday Night Live. Hmm. Uh, Rami Malek, I don't know who that is. And Jason Sudeikis, obviously, uh, Ted Lasso. Rami Rami Malek was uh, Freddie Mercury. Oh, uh, right. Queen movie. Yeah. And Jason Sudeikis, which bringing him back to Saturday Night Live will be cool. Sure. I don't know about Kim Kardashian. Here we have a doctor with some tips on how to handle a couple of problems that bother us all. Hiccups. To get rid of hiccups, put two fingers right in front of your wrist crease and press down while you hold your breath for a few seconds. Oh, I just ate some ice cream and now I've got brain freeze. Try this. Press your tongue up to the roof of your mouth for several seconds. That will warm your soft palate and make your brain freeze go away. I'm supposed to get a shot, but I'm so nervous it's going to hurt. I gotcha. When you're getting the shot, scratch the area right next to it. That's going to confuse your nerves and make it not hurt. Huh, I hadn't heard that one before. Scratch the area next to where they give you the shot to confuse your nerves. Did he say wrist crease? The first one I don't understand at all. Here, you want me to fire it up Put again? pressure on your wrist crease while holding your breath or something. Yeah, play it again. Hiccups! To get rid of hiccups, put two fingers right in front of your wrist crease and press down while you hold your breath for a few seconds. Okay, what's a wrist crease? Well, I think it's like they're right there, right? Um, okay. I guess. I was just guessing. And you press down with two fingers right there. hold your breath, and that makes yeah. your hiccups go away? Yeah. Hmm. I don't I'll know if I'd buy that. Well, I'm going to try it next time if I remember. Okay. I don't get hiccups often. My poor wife does. Just can't get rid of them. I used to, when I drank beer, I'd regularly get hiccups. Mm. The drunkard. The hazards of being a drunkard. <laughs> exactly. You police, had, uh, yeah, okay. police are seeking additional victims of a suspected mother-daughter duo accused of performing illegal butt injection augmentations oh boy. that have led to at least one death and probably more. It's really, it's a terrible story on several levels. This, this young woman who'd had way too much plastic surgery was an aspiring adult actress from oh. South Africa oh, in L.A., that's that's your big goal? You're going to be a porn skank? You travel halfway across the world and you get all sorts of surgery to be a porn skank? But she died after a series of injections performed by a woman known as Latia. She's accused with her daughter of performing these operations. They put some sort of liquid silicone mix into your butt. When it hits your bloodstream, it attacks your heart, brain, and kidneys. How about this? Other than that, it's good for you. Go to real doctors, all right? Go to real doctors or I can't help you. Armstrong and Getty. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Gavin Newsom was not recalled in California, and it wasn't even really close. But if Gavin Newsom had been recalled, overwhelmingly, the choice was Larry Eldred. I mean, it wasn't even wasn't even close on that side either, who was going to end up being the next governor. And he had that really weird last month of running for president in which, as a black guy, he was called the white the black face of what are running for governor where he was called the uh, black face of white supremacy by the L.A. Times and attacked by a, a white woman in a gorilla mask, but didn't get any news coverage for it. It's wild craziness. Ying Ma was the uh, communications director for the elder for the Larry Elder for governor campaign. She's also author of a great book, Chinese Girl in the Ghetto. Ying Ma joins us now. How are you? Fine, thanks. Uh, great to be back on with both of you. So uh, the last few weeks of the campaign really turned ugly. What incidents uh, or, uh, or, or actions of the Democratic uh, political mob stand out most to you? 
Well, you know, I was actually there in Venice Beach with Larry when that attack from the white woman with the gorilla mask um, happened, and that was volatile. Our security detail was physically assaulted, and there was a crowd of people who were just getting more and more aggressive. Um, so that stood out because there, you know, it was it was a vile, volatile and violent scenario. The other attacks uh, mostly happened on the air in print and. And they were nasty, vicious, and and the whole last few weeks um, of the campaign um, were bruising in many ways. But I I think whenever you have a situation where thugs show up, and they could very well have been paid thugs, we don't know. Um, when, When thugs show up and physically attack a candidate and his staff, it is unacceptable. But we barely heard a peep from the state's mainstream media and in fact when the LA Times covered it they called the headline they had was something like elder involved in altercation and originally they even showed a picture that in a very misleading way made it look like Larry Elder was slapping a woman when in fact he was hugging a supporter so that is how biased our media is the Los Angeles Times actually needs to to look at itself and and ask a very ask a question which is what responsibility should it take for the kind of physical attacks that have actually happened to the Larry Elder campaign um, but I would say that stands out the most yeah that that's really scary because if I was following this story from the other side of the country, I would have had no idea what went on based on the L.A. Times coverage. Um, When that occurred, because I've seen the videos, it looked pretty scary to me. Were you concerned it was going to turn into a full-on, I might not be safe, the candidate might not be safe situation? It was certainly very concerning. I think things were happening so fast. Um, and, of course, we've got a great security team. We've got a great advanced team. Um, and as you guys know from having interviewed me over the years, I didn't exactly grow up in a safe neighborhood as a kid. And so um, situations that are sort of violent aren't new to me. What My, my biggest concern was the candidate needed to be safe, um, and we needed to get him to a safe place. The rest of the team needed to stay safe. And we also had a whole bunch of journalists following us because we invited them to cover Larry to go and visit this homeless encampment in Venice Beach, and the whole point was to highlight just how dire the situation was. Um, you know, when laws are not being enforced, and and when public safety is not a top priority. Now, we were also concerned about the safety of those journalists too. You know, where they, where were they going to go? Um, and and so there 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 were a whole slew of things that went through my mind. Obviously, I was not in charge of the security and we're grateful for our security team and advance team um, for keeping us safe and, and, you know, leading us where we needed to be. But, um, uh, but, but I think in situations like that, at least for me, because, because it's not the first time I've encountered violent situations, it, you know, your adrenaline starts rushing and you start taking actions that you believe are, are the best for, you know, for your candidate and, and you believe um, would be best for the people around you. Any of the attacks from the Newsom campaign stand out in your mind for being particularly unfair or ridiculous? Oh, Joe, there are so many. This guy <laughs> is a sleaze machine. This guy was scared 
um, to his core. I think it, it, it was clear to him, clear to all of his cronies, um, that he could lose it all. And so he did what he thought he needed to do to win, which was to slander and smear the candidate that was most likely to replace him. And so it was one lie after another, one vicious attack after another. And, and let me give you an example. This guy went around um, talking about Larry Elder as an anti-vaxxer. That was an outright lie. In fact, even the Associated Press pointed that out. Larry Elder himself has been vaccinated. They, what Larry has insisted on is that he is anti-vaccine mandate. He is not anti-vaccine. So that is just one of the many examples of how sleazy Gavin Newsom is. And, you know, the, of course, in many ways it worked because he was able to um, convince Californians that Larry Elder was scarier than all the commonsensical solutions that Larry was proposing. Um, and Gavin Newsom was able to not provide any answers to the pressing problems of the state, including rising crime and homelessness, the failure of our public school system, the absurd housing costs, water shortages, uncontrollable wildfires, and so on. Um, the man never talked about any of those issues. All he ever did was attack Larry Elder. So uh, you tweeted this out, and I just wanted to hear what you have to say about this. Are you Among people that were running against Larry Elder, so these are all Republicans, but you had Carl DeMaio, kind of legendary San Diego era politician, claiming stirrer, yeah. claiming Kevin Faulkner, former San Diego mayor, shared a dirt file on Larry Elder with the Newsom campaign and shopped it around to the media. You think that happened? So that is what Carl claimed in an interview with Larry. Larry appeared on Carl DeMaio's show earlier in the week, um, and and that is what Carl claims. Um, now, l- l- let's put all of this in context. So Gavin Newsom had vast resources, and he vastly outspent the Larry Elder campaign. So he did not need Kevin Faulkner to give him dirt about Larry Elder because he had plenty of resources and plenty of sleazebags to do that for him. Now, with that in mind, if it is true that that Kevin Faulkner actually did provide some sort of dirt file to the Newsom campaign, this man owes Californians an apology, and he should have no future in California Republican politics. Um, what we do know, what what I know for a fact, is that. Gavin Newsom's camp was not the only campaign that was shopping around dirt about Larry Elder because, you know, I was Larry's communications director. Reporters spoke to me and my team regularly. Um, Many of them informed us that multiple campaigns, not just the Newsom campaign, was providing them dirt repeatedly about Larry Elder. And so is it is it plausible that someone like Kevin Faulkner could have been busy providing dirt about Larry Elder instead of instead of trying to focus the attention on recalling Larry Newsom? Yeah, um, it, it, that that seems pretty plausible. Well, sh- sure, I mean everybody was in a desperate uh, you know race to be the head 
uh, contender because you could win with 6%, and they just had to tear Larry down because he was in front. Interesting perspective. Ying Ma, former communications director for the Larry Elder for Governor campaign, author of Chinese Girl in the Ghetto. Uh, always great to talk. Thanks for the insight. Thank you so much. Always good to talk to you both. So you Thanks. want to get into politics. <clears throat> I mean, that's that's what I wanted to hear about. Is just It's just incredible. And of course, if you're uh, if you're trying to get into politics as the party that's not in charge in your particular state or county or whatever, you know, buckle up. But then, even among your own, you got people that are on, allegedly on your side shopping dirt, probably not even true dirt, to the other side to try to bring you down. Well, it was every man or woman for themselves. As you politics know, always the, is. It's yeah. not like there's anything new under the sun when it comes to uh, to politics, but just, I, I'm not built for it. I just... She said one thing that was unintentionally hilarious. Kevin Faulkner should have no future in Republican politics in this state. <laughs> As opposed to anybody else who has a future. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's like being the smartest horse in reverse or something. I'm not sure what it's like, but it's uh, pretty funny. One party banana republic mobbed up joke. Well, with the, beautiful scenery, but beautiful that's, scenery. That's the government end of it, and okay, they get to do that. They, the, the, you know, they run the state. But how do you excuse the L.A. Times for covering that incident the way they did? It's just, it's just amazing. And how often does this happen where I don't know the details enough that I just, you know, kind of take the story as it was portrayed to me? Sure, or just, you know, take a look at the, the photo, read the headline, read the caption, maybe the first paragraph, and move on. You have been misled materially. Larry Elder involved in altercation in a picture of him with his arm on some woman's shoulders. It looks like he's attacking someone. Yeah. yeah. And that's right before he hugs her, and of course, he was attacked just walking down the street. I have not heard as much gossip about the L.A. Times as I have the New York Times just because of the nature of media in New York and the rest of it. But I am absolutely certain that there's a war for the soul of the L.A. Times uh, going on, just like we've talked about with the New York Times, because the woke, it's it's the cause first reporters cannot be getting along with the facts first old schoolers. And obviously they won that battle. I mean, that was propaganda straight out of, you know, a totalitarian regime. Oh, and the whole black face of white supremacy thing. I mean, just laughable. When you got the first person of color who has a shot at being governor in the biggest state in the country, you claim he's a white supremacist. It's just, it's just unbelievable. It makes, you, it makes me so cynical about politics and media and just the whole thing. Well, you just have to realize how vicious these people are and how, how dishonest they are and how they think that they are so righteous they can be excused for, you know, virtually every sin among the seven deadlies. And you need to oppose them. You can't just... People think that they can take a neutral side in this war. I don't think you can. I think you got to fight back. Every Thursday, the jobless claims come out, and they're actually up in what they're calling a surprise jump. We should hit those numbers real quick. I know you got that new uh, website where you can apply for jobs at companies. They're, they're shopping for people. That worry. If you want to work somewhere where they don't make you get the vaccine. That's or make you take woke re-education crap. Or that. Um, so we got all that sort of stuff. Uh, and then a story about a woman who agreed to, agreed to have a baby for a Facebook friend that she met through Messenger, and apparently it didn't turn out well. Hmm. Shocking that that did not go well. He is like uh, a little baby. Uh, among other things on the way, our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and 
ready. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The police come and found my head out with a big heavy tool. My sergeant who was with me came walking up and had our rand that we use for knocking doors open. And he had a great idea of putting it perfectly in between the railing. We were able to pry the uh, railing apart just enough to, to have her take her head out. As a little kid stuck their head in the railing, got it stuck. Police helped uh, helped her out. I did that once myself, got my head stuck in the railing. It's easy to go through because the way your ears are made, you can go in that way, but coming back yeah. out, I couldn't get out. I don't remember how long I was there before, but I remember it ended up with me. I was 26 at the time. <laughs> um, I, I was uh, probably... On a date. <laughs> <laughs> on a date, I'm 26. <laughs> Help me, my head's stuck. My head's stuck. You know, I think I'm going to go home. <laughs> uh it was in South Dakota, so I was probably like four or five. Um, but I got my head through the ring, and I remember my grandma and grandpa were out there, and my mom and dad were out there, and everything like that. My my uncle, the Marine, was able to pry it up, 
part enough for me to get my head up. It's funny. It's one of those things that was impactful enough. The way the brain works is so interesting. It was impactful enough. I can still picture that porch and what everybody looked like back then. Though it was ultimately of no consequence to your life. No. But in that moment, your animal brain said, oh, oh, Lord, this is bad. Oh, you know, when you're a little kid, you probably think you're going to die there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I, I've probably got my head stuck. Doesn't virtually every little kid get their head stuck at one point or another? My kids have not, because I've told them that story so many times. They're uh-huh. really careful with the getting their head. They kind of walk by railings like this. They don't accidentally fall and tell you stick what, their I head just, through. I look at a railing. I think, I wonder if my head will fit in there. Can't help it. U.S. jobless claims rose to 351,000. They were expecting them to go down. They went up. So let's Moving see if, up. See if that's a big deal or not. Um, and speaking of numbers, the Department of Homeland Security has just revised their number downward of Haitians that they've sent back to Haiti. Yesterday they said 1,700. Today they came out and said it was 1,400. Okay, so the number of people there... At the border under the bridge. Yeah, now I'm, I'm making notes here so I get the math right. Was 15,000 at its peak. Got it, 15,000. Got it, okay. You sent back 1,400 to Haiti. Minus 1,400. The number okay. is now 4,000 under the bridge. Yep, math checks out. Democrat math checks out. <laughs> so all those other people just got sent into the United States on, what do they call them, NTRs? Notice to NT something. Yeah, notice to report. Hey, if you find it convenient at some point in the next couple of months, can you swing by an immigration office and risk being deported? Yeah, no kidding. Very good point. So it's not even a uh, the 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 notice to appears. The NTAs are you have to appear or you're in trouble, and nobody ever appears. And, and if indeed a, 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 a Haitian would ask in a, f- a lilting French accent, uh, what happens if I do not appear? Oh, nothing. No, we don't. We don't really go after anybody. I mean, don't murder anybody, and, and nobody will ever pursue you. The notice to report is just a suggestion, as you said. So I'm going to suggest that I'm here illegally to someone, so that they might kick me out. Whereas if I don't do that, I'm probably going to get to stay here forever. You know, I'm picturing uh, an Asian uh, migrant uh, thinking. I gotta be missing something. Yeah, you know, kidding. There's, you would, wouldn't this, you? This can't be right. It must be a question of language or no, something. No, no, I'm not, no. I'm not getting this. Let me explain it to you as an American taxpayer. If you stay here for, I don't know what the cutoff would be, maybe a year, two years. At some point, you will be called a dreamer. And then there will be all kinds of political will to keep you here because you're a dreamer. Don't you understand? Or some other stupid slogany word that they use to describe you. Speaking of kids in real life, my nine-year-old is super into Little League Baseball right now. Um, we've been uh, practicing every night. He's, like, super into practicing. So Cool. Uh, uh, he has been, so I was pitching to him last night and practicing hitting. He has been uh, working on hitting for, see, what is he, nine years old? A week. A week now of his entire life. He'd never shown any interest in baseball ever in his life. And he a couple of weeks ago, he said, I really want to play baseball. And I thought, okay, I don't think it's the time of year. I was wrong. I Googled it locally. I was like two days away from the cutoff. Got a hey. hold of a team. Got a hold of some coaches. They're super nice people. They fit him in. And now he's playing baseball. Um, fall ball, they call it. But I was pitching to him last night. And I'll tell you what. First of all, I don't think I had held a real baseball in my hand in 35 years. <laughs> mm. I played catch thousands and thousands of hours in my life. I used to be so into it as a kid, but I, I don't think I'd held a baseball in 35 years. But I'm pitching to it, and I'll tell you what. He's nine, and he's my kid. I plunked him once. 
The, hmm. That plate is mine. The inside half is yours. The plate belongs yeah, right. to me. All right? <laughs> Back off. You think you're going to crowd the plate and just because I'm your dad and you've never played before? Uh-uh. Plate is mine. Little chin music, son. <laughs> exactly. Back off. Wow, nice. But, uh, yeah, I did actually plunk him once by accident. My pitching was better than I thought it would be, but he, he's hitting the ball. It's really fun. It's really, really cool. I hope he can stick with it. You never know with a kid that's struggling in life what's going to be the thing. Music, art, sports. You just hope something catches their fancy that they can plow all their extra emotional energy into. I hope this is it. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Well, at least it'll bring them some joy, challenge, exercise. Well, it's a challenge. Yeah, yeah. But we had never watched baseball together because he never had any interest. So I didn't realize until practice the other night, of course, it's obvious, but it never occurred to me. He doesn't know anything, anything at all about baseball. Like you hit the ball and you run. Run where? Run over why, there. Why, why do you I run, run to your there? right and not your left? How, yeah, how do you how do you score? You know, he doesn't know any of that stuff. So we are starting from scratch. But again, that half the plate's mine. Back off. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.